0: Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty.
1: Hey, Victory Church, how are we doing this morning? Is everybody alive and well, doing well? Edmund Campus, I know you're rowdy up there as always. It's such a joy to be joining you. Uh, It's a joy to be uh, joined by those watching online. We're so glad that you're taking time out uh, out of your busy schedule to watch, to listen, whether it's live or whether it's later in an archive. We thank you for doing so. Uh, Real quick before we get started, I pray your fast is going well. Uh, You're like, it's not going well at all, John. I'm starving to death. Man, I'm having cravings. This is... You're torturing me, John. I hate your guts. Uh, yep, it's how it's supposed to be. So I, I pray that uh, I pray that you're uh, enduring, right? Let's just put it that way. Uh, but but I believe that God will, will lavishly reward you. Um, and so we will end this fast in a couple weeks, all right? In a couple weeks, um, January the 29th, is that right? 20, 29th. Um, we will end the fast on the 29th. And that night, Sunday night, here at the OKC campus, Uh, We will have a global worship night, all right? We'll celebrate, we'll worship, we have baptisms, uh, we'll have some food, amen? Amen. What time do we start that, Jackie? 5.30. 530. You can tell, I don't know anything. I'm just the senior pastor, what do I know? Uh, 5.30, uh, January 29th, all right, here at the OKC campus. That's gonna be an incredible time. Also, next week, um, Pastor Jimmy Evans will be back with us next week, all right? So, So don't miss Next week. Pastor Jimmy will be back uh, speaking for us next week. We're excited about that in, in the new year. So if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open them. I'll tell you a verse in just a minute. Actually, start flipping over to the book of Galatians, uh, but we're really going to end up in Genesis. That's where we're going to spend uh, the majority of our time today talking about Abraham and Sarah. Uh, if, if you're new to Victory Church, we have been in a season called expecting. And if you remember, in, in week one, we, 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 we planted this idea That before God does anything through us, he does something in us. That he places a seed, a calling, a desire, a passion, a destiny. Uh, He places a seed inside us that then grows and develops. and, And there's a gestation period and we nurture it and we steward it well. And then there comes a day where we give birth to it. Every organization, every idea, every business... Every marriage, right, every, every advancement in a relationship with the Lord starts with a seed that then cultivates and, and, and there comes a day where this, this baby, so to speak, is delivered and, and we give birth to it. Week two, we talked about if we're going to be expecting, if we're going to have faith that God's going to do something and then there's going to be a birthday to this thing, if we're going to be expecting, then we need to know what to expect when we're expecting. That was week two. We talked about what do I, what can I expect? as I'm going through this process of expecting. And last week, we talked about a phrase that I hope you've said throughout the week. We've said last week and we determined that we can expect God's best. We really can. Whether whether we feel it or not, whether it seems like it or not, we can can fully expect God's best. Today, I wanna continue in this conversation. And today I wanna talk about, if if, if there's a, a seed planted, a gestation period, what I wanna talk about today is I wanna talk about the delivery day. There will come a day uh, that you give birth to something. Right? Spiritually speaking, there's gonna be something, there's gonna come a day where God has planted something in your heart, it's cultivated, it's grown, you've waited and waited and waited and waited, and there'll come a day when this thing comes to fruition. And today I wanna talk about your due date. And the closer your due date gets, the more impatient you will become. Uh, the closer you do day gets, the more susceptible you are to messing it up, right? So the Lord is going to do something, and I want to talk about that. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a calendar guy. How many of you guys uh, live by a calendar? How many of you don't have a calendar you just kind of wing it? Man, I envy you people. Honestly, my brother's like that. I'll call my brother, and I'm like, hey, you want to go to lunch tomorrow? He's like, well, I don't know what I have going. Maybe text me at like 11 and we'll just see what, what's going on. I'm like, what? Like, I know what I'm doing six weeks from now. Like, I don't understand that. I'm a calendar guy. I've got an assistant here at the church and I've got an assistant at the university. And people come to me and say, hey, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna meet with you. I'm like, I don't even know what my life is. Just talk to one of them and you know, cause I live by this calendar. If it's on my calendar, I'll do it. I am convinced and I've noticed patterns in scripture um, where God is a God of appointment. He's a God of appointment. And I want to spend some time to, uh, today and kind of point out some scriptures and some thoughts and some stories through scripture that shows us that God is a God of appointment, that there is a due date. There is a due season. There is a delivery date. And I think in many ways, God is up in heaven and he's got this calendar. You know, if, if I think if God had a phone with the calendar on it, it'd be an iPhone. It wouldn't be an Android, Mm-mm. When God texts me, it's always blue. It's never green. All right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't hate me, Android people. All right. But I think God is a God of appointment. I think God has some dates circled. I think there's a date for Jesus's return. And I think in heaven, there's a calendar with a, with a big circle around it. And Jesus's calendar is full that day. Cause he's going to hop on a horse and come down and split the sky and he's going to return and graves will be open. Amen. So I, I think that I think that God is a God of the point. Let me show you a couple of verses. All right. Galatians four, verse four says this, it says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. There was an appointed time, where God was going to send his son. There was a delivery date. There was a calendar circled, right? Uh, John 7, 8, this is Jesus speaking. And he says, go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast because my time has not yet fully come. Like I said a while ago, Jesus' return is circled. In Matthew chapter 24, it's very clear. It starts starts giving us these signs. It says there'll be famines and wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes. And, and then it says, uh, all of these, Jesus, these are Jesus' words, all of these are the beginning of birth pains. Why? Because there is about to be a delivery, a due date. Something is coming and there is a due date. And what I wanna to do today is I want us to learn, I, w- I wanna look at the promise that Abraham received. Abraham received this promise that he would be the father of many nations, and God took him out and said, "Look up at the stars and look at the sand on the seashore, and this will be it will be impossible for you to number your descendants." And the seed was planted in Abraham, and he waited to see this thing come to fruition, and in many ways he didn't. He never got to fully see it this side of heaven, but a seed was planted that was his to nurture and to cultivate and to steward. And the delivery date for him was something that he was going to have to wait for. Um, And he, he and Sarah made some mistakes along the way. And and, in many ways, stories in the Bible are for us to learn what to do and what not to do. All right. So I want to look at the story of Abraham and Sarah and see what we can learn from this. And when you came to this earth screaming from your mother's womb, uh, we call that a birthday. That was the day where you came into fullness where the set time had fully come. And I remember these moments very well. If, you, if you're a parent, you remember these moments well when, when uh, you had waited and waited and waited and waited and nine months and nine months and nine months and this many weeks and 38 weeks and 40 weeks, and 36 weeks, 42 weeks, and then the, the day finally came. You had a due date, but it wasn't always the delivery date. There was a time where you were told it's gonna to be right around here, but you didn't know the day nor the hour and there finally comes this moment, this delivery date, um, and this is the day um, where we really come into the fullness, and there is an actual due date coming, and you should say amen right there. Like, come on, Jesus. We need this date to get here quick. Um, the, the, the challenge is that we have to learn patience and waiting, right? And so the title of the message today, what I want to talk to you about is all in due time, all in due time due time. Um, there's moments in my life where I can remember delivery dates, and, and you could too, if you really stopped and thought about it. You could go, I don't care if you're uh, 20 years old, 15 year olds, 90 years old, you could probably boil down your life into five to 10 moments, pivotal moments, where the phone rang, the conversation happened, the email came, the invitation came where these are these moments, these delivery dates. I remember for me, one of my first spiritual delivery dates was was in chapel at Southwestern Christian University. And I left my seat and I walked down to the altar and I broke, I broke. I'd grown up a pastor's kid my whole life, but that was my delivery date. That was the date that God gripped my heart and I began to have a relationship with Jesus, not through the coattails of my father or my mother, but for myself. That was a delivery date for me. I remember another delivery date when my calling began to come to fruition. And this is, I've told you all this, 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 this part of my life before where I used to drive a big white van with no windows on it. The kind that you tell your kids to stay away from. You know, that, I drove one of those. I delivered copy paper. I was a copy paper delivery guy. And I remember exactly where it was. I was driving down I-40 westbound at MacArthur, and my phone rang in 2007. And on the other line was the president of the university saying, John, we want you to come and help us raise money at the university. And little did I know it then, but that was the delivery date of the trajectory of my life pointing in the direction that God took it. I remember a delivery date when when Victory Church called me and said, we want you to be a campus pastor. And I was like, no. (laughs) I remember April 22nd in 2018 when when Gateway Church called me and said, we want you to come down here and be the president of the King's University. These are pivotal moments. These are moments where the trajectory of our life was headed this way, And then God came and interrupted it and sent it this way. And for many of you, you could could list many of those, but at the same time, we're all praying for another one of those. And if we're breathing, we're waiting on God to do something. (laughs) So you're in good company. We're all waiting on God together, that bonds us. We're waiting for God to show up in some powerful way. So I wanna learn from Abraham and Sarah today, and I got four points for you. We'll get through them here. The first one, I want you to write this down a type of delivery date that you want to be cautioned by Abraham and Sarah. Number one, there is a forced due date. There is a forced due date. One of the biggest temptations when we know the seed and the closer it gets to us becoming to to the understanding of a delivery date, the temptation is to force it. Because we know how this thing is going to go anyways. God's given us a glimmer He's given us a seed. That seed has grown into a a sprout. We kind of know the fruit that's going to come. And we think that we could get ahead of God and just force it. And it's very easy to do this. I told you the story of Michelle when she was giving birth to Corey. She'd been in labor for 18 hours. And she just got to the point where she was D-O-N-E, done. Like, we're done with this thing. And she started to push. And the doctor said, don't push. Do not push. You're going to do damage to yourself and the baby if you push too early. So there there is a temptation, and the closer we get to delivery, everything in us wants to push. Uh, And this is what happened to Abraham and Sarah, and you will see this all through Scripture. All through Scripture, people push it. Uh, Peter pushed it when he cut that dude's ear off. Jesus is like, bro, come on. Seriously. Uh, Moses pushed it when he struck the rock, when he was supposed to speak to the rock. Uh, Saul pushed it when he was supposed to wait for Samuel to come to give the sacrifice, but he got impatient and he was afraid of what the people might do. So he pushed it and he did it and he lost his throne because of it. So there is things we can do to force it. So look at your neighbor and say, don't push it. Let's, let's look at Abraham and Sarah and see what happens here. Genesis chapter 15, verse four, it says, "'Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, "'This man will not be your heir.'" So Abraham was complaining to God. He's like, God, I don't have any kids. I don't have anybody to leave my my stuff to. Who am I going to leave it to? This servant. And God's like, no, that will not be your heir. The one who comes forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, now this is the seed. This is the planting of a seed in Abraham's heart. Now look towards the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. A seed was planted, a promise was given. So let's jump over to chapter 16, Genesis chapter 16, verse one. Let's wash let's and push it. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. Sarai said to Abram, "'Now behold, the Lord has prevented me "'from bearing children. "'Please go into my maid. "'Perhaps I will obtain children through her.'" And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. After Abram had lived for 10 years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife, Sarah, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as his wife. He went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. And Sarah said to Abram, may the wrong done me be upon you, I, have made my, I, I, have gave, I gave my maid into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me." And we know that this baby became Ishmael, who really became the father of the Arab nations, uh, which really was the birthing of Islam, was in this moment. And Sarai got impatient. She knew the promise. Abram knew the, pro- the promise. And they had waited and they had waited and they had waited and they had waited and they fall under the same temptation that you and I fall into, that when we get a promise and God doesn't seem to deliver on the timeline or the the way that we see it, that it should be delivered, the temptation is to push it. So what what we learn from this is, is very interesting because the seed was right. The promise was the right promise. The seed was the right seed. But I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. What they they mistaked is they had the right seed, but it was placed in the wrong womb. So what this tells us is that we can actually be pursuing the right thing, but do it in the wrong way. We can actually be in tune with the will of the Lord. We can actually have a really clear understanding about our calling, what we're called to do, our ministry gift, our, 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 our business mind, our, our relational equity, whatever it is that you feel like God has placed in your heart to be debt-free. Well, it could be, be a multiplicity of, of, of many, many things. And you could actually be wanting and pursuing the right things, but force it and do it in the wrong way. So this is something that we can all learn from. We can have the right desire, but we can do it in the wrong way at the wrong time. And uh, it it made me even process this. You think about this. Think about the patience that Jesus had. Jesus didn't enter his ministry until his early 30s, right around 33. So I had this this thought. there There was times, think about this. There were times when Jesus, let's say Jesus is 26, all right? And Jesus is walking home, from being a carpenter, right? Or he's playing soccer with his friends. Nah, not soccer, Jesus doesn't play soccer. Had to have been basketball. It's not soccer, Oscar. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not here, not America. Mm-mm. So Jesus is walking home from playing basketball with his friends and he dominates, I promise you. He has a wicked crossover. And he, he, he walks, think about this. He's walking by a graveyard and he sees a funeral happening. And he's like, he looks in there and it's a little girl. It's a seven-year-old little girl that has passed. Everything in Jesus would have been like, I, could, I, could, I am the resurrection and the life. And God would have said, hey, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. Right calling, right ability, wrong timing, wrong way. Don't force it, all right? So that's the first thing we can, we can learn from them. Let's keep going. I want to set up the second point. I got to read some verses for you, give you some context. So Sarai and Abram, and it wasn't just Sarai, by the way, because Abram, hello, he participated. They have messed this up royally royally mess this up. Something that you can't take back. And some of us have made mistakes that we just can't take back. It's not like they could say, okay, we're sorry. Could we just put this baby kind of back in the womb and just pretend like this didn't happen and start over? Mm-mm. Damage done, consequences laid, right? But what I love about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is that he's the same God to us. He doesn't disqualify us even when we make mistakes. So God comes back to Abraham and Sarah and says, hey, I promised you something. I planted a seed and we're gonna see this baby come to fruition. And this is the story for us too, right? So let me, let me unpack this. I wanna, I wanna learn from Sarah. By this time, her name has changed. She is now Sarah. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 21, watch this. It says, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this season next year. So again, God is like, I don't know, you you know, if if you and I are going to go to lunch together and I make an iCal, a calendar, I'm going to send you the invite. And in the invite, it's going to say, you know, Swadley's Barbecue, 2 p.m. Friday. And you're like, cool, accept. This is God sending a calendar invite to Abraham that says, hey, next season, I'll meet you next season. Okay, so what month? What week, what day, what hour, what minute. So he's giving, this is, this is, sometimes God invites us to parties, but he's not specific enough. He just kind of gives us this broad, hey, this is what I'm going to do in you. And you're like, okay. Right? So this is what's happening at this time, at this season next year. Man, God, I wish you were more specific in your dates. It'd be great. Genesis 18 verse 9. It says, so, so, so now Abraham is being visited by three men who, if you study this and, and, and mostly, I mean, it says the Lord is speaking to him through these, the Lord manifests or appears to, to Abraham in the, in the form of three men. Genesis 18, nine says, then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, he's, she's over there in the tent. And he said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, your wife... We'll have a son, past tense. It means when I come back this time next year, there will be a baby in her arms, okay? It will, it will have already been delivered. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in years, and Sarah was past childbearing. And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord? Being old also, she's like, you think I'm old? You should see my husband. Like he is crazy old. There's no way we can have babies at this point. So the Bible says she laughed, right? But how did she laugh? Did you know that you could laugh joyfully? You could laugh hysterically, like sore abs laugh. You could also laugh in a mockery way. You could, you, could, you could laugh like this, okay, sure, mm-hmm, you're right. And if you go and look up this Hebrew word, laughed, in the scripture, this word laugh in Hebrew is, is translated as laugh, but it's also translated as to mock and to toy with. So I believe that when she laughed, it wasn't like, yay, <laughs> it was, Mm-mm. there's no way. Because 13 years have passed. 13 years have passed since Hagar had the baby. 13 years. You've waited 13 days or 13 weeks or 13 months. They waited 13 years. And by this point, Sarah's like, this is impossible. This is, this is laughable. In fact, I mock this. And if you keep reading, it says this in verse 13. It says, and the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah... Laugh, saying, shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? And this is the Lord's answer. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. When will it happen? At the appointed time, when I say so. At the delivery date, at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son, saying, I'm going to do it. Verse 15, Sarah denied it, however. So Sarah's hearing all of this. She hears the Lord say, I'm going to come back this time next year and you'll be, your wife will be holding a baby. And in her heart, she denies it. She mocks it. She despises it. And she says, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. She was afraid. And he said, no, you did laugh. I love God. God just calls her out. Uh, oh, yeah, um, I heard you. You did too laugh. Right? Sarah denied it. Write this down if you're taking notes. Number two, believe for a due date. This is a quick one. We'll skirt through this pretty quickly, but you cannot be expecting but be laughing at the same time. It's impossible to laugh at the magnitude of what you believe God could do or will do and, and watch him come through and deliver. We, we have to believe for it. We have to believe for it. So, so before God de- – this is what I love about God, and I, I, I'm so passionate about this subject. So before, before God deals with her womb, he deals with her heart. Right? So God has come to, to, to deal with Sarah's heart. She, he's like, No. Sarah, you did laugh. And I want to know what part of you is doubting me so much that you, you mock my promises by laughing at it. So God will always come to deal with our hearts before he comes to deal with our wombs. And so God comes to Sarah and Abraham and gives him this, um, kind, of, kind of gives them this estimate, right? It's an estimate. Hey, this time next year, This season, next year, here's my estimate. And he gives Sarah this estimate, and her response is Have you ever had a contractor give you an estimate? (laughs) They give you an estimate, and you have to look at this estimate and either believe it or scoff at it. And I don't know about your contractor estimates, but when God gives you an estimate, don't laugh. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Believe for it. Believe for it. So it, it's, it is impossible that while... It is, it is possible that while Sarah was waiting on God, God was waiting on Sarah. All right? So number three, if you're taking notes, write this down. My duty in the due date. So if there's a due date, do I have a duty in when that due date comes? Do I let me say it another way. Do I have a role to play? Do my actions impact the due date? All right. This is what I want to unpack. So, so Michelle was in labor for 18 hours, waited nine months. She was, Corey was past due, like past her due date. And you talk about when your patient starts to grow thin is when you pass the due date, you're uncomfortable so we go to the hospital, she's in labor for 18 hours. She's tempted to push. Um, the family, like me, my parents, my brother, my sister, all of their families are in the waiting room. Like we're those crazy people. They had lawn chairs and blankets and like we are staying all night. Like we'll just stay here all night. Corey didn't come till 3.30 in the morning. What frustrated us is we have waited on you for nine months. But here's what I realized is that we waited on the baby for nine months, but now the baby was waiting on Michelle. In in pregnancy, when you go into the delivery date, there's this thing called dilate. And the mom has to dilate to a certain size so the baby can pass through the birth canal. So think about this. We had waited on this kid for nine months, and now the baby's like, I'm waiting on you. Is it possible that you've waited on God for months and years and we're this close to the delivery date and now God's like, I have a few things I would like to discuss with you first (laughs) because I want you to be able to raise this baby. I want you to be ready for this baby. So before I deal with your womb, I'm going to deal with your heart. And this is what I see, and and I I love this verse. Now, this verse that I'm about to read to you, this is an end times verse. This is talking about end times, uh, but it does, again, shows us the character of God, a characteristic of God. 2 Peter 3, 8 says, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. Now watch verse nine. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. He's not slow. He's being patient, waiting on you. There may be elements of our life where there is a due date circled in heaven, but God is so gracious and so loving and so kind that he would not bring delivery to something that we're not prepared to care for. So we can't just sit back and say, well, I'm waiting on God. Mm. God just needs to hurry up, man. You know, But not believe that we don't have any part to play in this because there are elements throughout scripture where we see God waiting on man. Jesus waited on Peter to step out of the boat. He walked on water when he took a step, right? God waited on Moses to stretch the staff. God didn't need Moses to stretch the staff over the Red Sea, okay? Let's just be clear. God could have been like, hey, Moses, just take a seat, bro. I got this. But God waited on Moses, right? There was a duty. There was something. There was a role to play. God waited on Naaman to dip seven times in the Jordan River. Not six times, not five times, not four times, not three times. God waited on them to march around Jericho seven times. There was something, there is a duty, there is a responsibility. I, I, I've never really told anybody this story. Michelle and I were talking about it the other night. There was, and I think enough time has passed that I can have these conversations. In 2009, all right, 2009, I'd been a Southwestern Christian for maybe a year, maybe two years. I was so green, so wet behind the ears as they say. I had, had a master's degree, I started a doctorate degree, and uh, there was a, a change in the presidency coming up. And, and I had already, God had already planted this seed in my spirit that I'm gonna be a president of a university. I was pursuing a doctorate degree in university administration. I knew that I knew that I knew that I was gonna be a university president someday. And I wanted it. As, as young as I was, as, as green as I was, I was, I was so young, so immature. I, wasn't, I was in my late 20s all right, the chairman of the board takes me to lunch and he starts talking like it was possible that, that I could become the president. And I was like, this is it. The Lord has spoken. This is all it is. I know this is what it is. I know that I know that I know that I know that this is, this is what's going to happen. You know what I realized? I wasn't ready. Why? Because I hadn't stretched enough. I wasn't dilated enough (laughs) to give birth to that baby yet. God was gonna take me through a season of becoming a pastor to, to tenderize me, to tenderize my heart, to prepare me more, to mature me more. And I knew that I knew that I knew and everything in me wanted to just force it. Let me be political. Let me go talk to the right people. I can make this happen. This is the temptation to force it. I wasn't ready. I didn't know it at the time. I was waiting on God, but it turns out God was waiting on me. God was waiting on me to mature. He was waiting on the full dilation to, to take effect so that I could give birth to that. But it, There was a reason for that, there was a season for that. So while you're waiting on God to move, this is just a, a slight warning from your pastor, while you're waiting on God to move, you should be really intentional about asking yourself the question, is God waiting on me? Is there someone I need to forgive? Is there something, are there some high places in my life that I've erected that I need to tear down? You remember, I told you the story last night that I was at the Edmond campus two weeks ago and God told me, I'm ready when you are, John, but I need you to first do this and this and this. Turns out, I was waiting on God. God said, mm, I was waiting on you. I was waiting on you. So walk yourself through that process. Holy Spirit, is there anything in me that you want to deal with because I'm ready to get rid of this baby. I'm ready to birth this thing, right? I got one last one for you. Genesis 21, verse one, it said, I love this. I love this first sentence of this passage. It says, then the Lord took note of Sarah, as he had said. This this word took note uh, in the Hebrew means to visit, to care for. Uh, It means to number, to reckon and to appoint. He took note of it. There was was an appointment on his iPhone and it dinged and said, hey, go talk to Sarah, right? So he goes and he, he talks to Sarah and it says, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. He had promised something. Verse two says, so Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. When did this happen? At the appointed time. At the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Number number four, if you're taking notes, write this down. There is a de- decisive due date. There is a decisive due date. That date is coming. Um, and it will come when you least expect it. There are times in my life where I'm like, this is the Lord, here it comes. <sighs> oh, shoot. And then I'm driving a white van down I-40 at MacArthur, and my phone rings ding, 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 right? Just when you least expect it. I'll, both of our kids came in the middle of the night. It's like, seriously, can we not schedule this better? Like, can we not do two at 2 p.m.? That'd be great. Comes when, when you least expect it. And it all starts with a woman coming to her husband and saying, we're expecting, we're expecting. And it all ends when the same woman comes to the same man and says, It's here, it's coming, it's coming. Get me to the hospital. It's happening right now. And this is the decisive due date. Don't force it, don't force it. Don't push it. When that baby's ready, that baby's coming whether you want it to or not. But don't force it, believe for it. When you're waiting is the hardest time to believe. Don't laugh. Don't laugh, believe for it. Be intentional, be willing to be stretched. Be willing to be stretched. You have a duty in the due date. And I believe there is a moment coming where there is a decisive due date. And I led led this all up to this moment because I have a really exciting announcement to make for our church. Um, We're expecting. As a church, we're expecting. Um, as a church, we're gonna have a baby. We're gonna have a baby. Isn't this exciting? My, um, you're like, oh, I have no idea what you're talking about, John, but uh, this could go anywhere right now. Um, I, I've noticed this pattern in my life. I've shared this with you. I'll share it real, real quick one more time. Um, there there are, are really two types of leaders, and I've told you kind of parts of this already, and I'm writing a book about this. I've, I've really realized one of my callings. There are, there are leaders who, who launch, who start, they're entrepreneurial, they'll start businesses, they start nonprofits, they start departments, they start, they start, they grow, grow, grow. And then there are those leaders that, what I, what I have coined a term called a re-leader. A re-leader are those who are very aware that they didn't build any of this. They came on the heels of other leaders and came to try to be, to to take the mantle and to carry the mission forward. So I'm writing this book called Re-Lead and the subtitle is How to Fix What You Didn't Break. And so what I've realized is that there's there's a real calling and anointing on my life. And I've seen that pattern all through my life where God has always put me into positions where I walk through the halls, I walk through the halls of Victory Church, I walk through the halls of, of the King's University, um, and even our founder, Pastor Jack Hayford, who passed away uh, a week ago today. And, um, and I walk through the halls of, of these organizations and I look at these buildings and the one we're standing in at Edmond Campus and. I walk through the halls of the King's University and I'm well aware that I didn't build any of this. I didn't do any of this. I just have the privilege of picking up the pieces and and carrying the mission and carrying the vision forward. And what, uh, what most people don't know is that I have prayed for at least five years. uh, God, can I build something? I know I'm a releader, leader, God, and I'm happy to keep being a releader. leader. But Lord, I, I really want to start something. I, I really want to build something. And that just is exciting to me. And I want to be a part of something like that. And, and so God placed the seed in, in Michelle and I's heart and we're, we're seeing it come to fruition. And I know I'm kind of dragging this out and I'll get to the point in a minute. So when we, when we went to the King's University in 2018, we... we um, We prayed, we were terrified. We didn't know what God was doing. And we prayed and prayed and prayed. And the Lord said, yes, but he said something that we have shared with very few people. Um, And one of the most clear things the Lord said to us when we started to go on the journey of being uh, the president of King's University is the Lord said, the answer is yes to the King's University, but the King's University is not the only reason that I'm sending you there. And so God put this seed in our heart where we're like, okay, well, I don't know what that baby's hair color is or eye color is, I don't know what any of that means, but we've got a promise and we've got a word and we don't know what that means. We get down there in September of 2018, I'm sitting in a worship service at at, at Gateway Church and probably the most clear I've ever heard the Lord's voice in my entire life. The Lord said, it's coming. And I was like, okay, you wanna be a little more specific, God? Because that means nothing to me. I don't know what that means. And almost five years, four and a half years have passed and I'm just now realizing what the Lord is saying. So in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 12, this is Nehemiah's seed being planted in his heart to rebuild the wall. And he said, I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. And that's what's happening in Nehemiah's life. God plants a seed and it cultivates and nurtures, and then he gives birth to his calling. And what i need you to know is that my passion for Victory Church has never been bigger than it is right now. Never, ever, ever, okay? And and not only am I not going anywhere, I am more passionate about staying here than I ever have been in my entire life, all right? But we're, we're about to have a baby. About a year ago, year and a half ago, there was a, a, a group of people in DFW, I've actually gave them shout outs several times on camera. There was a group of people that started calling Victory Church their home church. And they would watch every week and we were just overwhelmed by how cool that was, that there was a, a group, a core team, a core p- group of people in DFW that were gathering every week and calling Victory Church their home church and literally having church online. And even back then they would kind of hint at me like, John, would you, you need to start a campus down here. We want a campus down here, please, please, please. And we, I always just kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. No, I, I don't know. Well, this summer, Michelle and I were on vacation. We just really began to pray about it and seek the Lord. And we went through a journey. We went through a process in ourselves um, we went to the, to the leadership team of the church and shared our heart there. We went to the board, shared our heart there. Uh, I went to the staff, shared our heart there. I went to Pastor Robert Morris at Gateway Church and talked to Pastor Robert. And I said, I said, man, this is what I'm sensing in my heart. This is what we feel like the Lord's saying. And Pastor Robert blessed it. He said, I'm, I am totally on board with this. I give you my full support to, to launch a campus here. And so I am really excited to tell you today that we're about to have a baby and we are launching Victory Church, Grapevine, Texas. Isn't that awesome? So we we have been meeting with a core team for several weeks not making any announcements, being very quiet, very very private, um, and just kind of gathering as a core team, praying over this, and it is, it is just every week, uh, we are gathering on Saturday nights at 4 p.m., and every week it just kind of adds and adds and adds with no announcements, with nothing, with nothing. Um, last night, we had uh, around 75 people there, last night, and, um, and we, are, we are launching this thing. And now I wanna, I wanna address a couple of things, all right? I know when, when an announcement like this is made, um, we're all human and our, we all take thoughts through filtration systems in our head before we come to our conclusion, right? So it's like a coffee pot, it goes through a filter and then it's vanilla coffee or hazelnut coffee, right? You have one of these filtration systems in your brain the filtration system that most of us put that, that's in our brain that we take our thoughts through that come become actions and words, it's the filter called myself. And the first thing we do is we, filtrate, we filter circumstances through how is this going to impact me? <laughs> and I know when I make an announcement like that, I, I just know everybody's first thought is Does that mean John's leaving us and we're gonna be a video campus and Edmund campus? I need you to to know my heart. Well, first off, our number one core value as a church is we are kingdom-minded first, first. More than anything else, we filter everything we do as a church through that filtration system. Not how it's gonna affect me, how is this gonna impact the kingdom? How could this impact the kingdom? And so I want you to know my heart. My heart is not for, for the OKC campus to be a video campus, all right? It's not for my heart for the Edmond campus to be a solely a video campus. Um, we're launching as a Saturday night service, okay, exclusively, Saturday night only. And for now, I will preach Saturday nights there and I'll preach Sunday mornings here. There will come a day that, that we have cameras down there and we have Uh, audio systems that we need and video systems that we need. We don't have those yet. So when that happens, what will happen? Well, every week would look different. There may be weeks I preach from here and stream everywhere. There may be weeks I preach from Edmond and stream everywhere. There may be weeks I preach from Grapevine and stream everywhere. I may preach from, from Grapevine Saturday night and come up here and preach Sunday morning. But you know what will never change? the Word of God will be delivered and the presence of God will be here, okay? I I have said since day one that we are not a church that's built on the talent of a few, but on the sacrifice of the many. And if this church is built around me, then I don't wanna be any part of it. We will not build a church around one man or it will fall around one man, all right? So, so my heart is in this, my commitment is in this, my commitment is in you, my commitment is to the Edmond campus and my commitment is to the Grapevine faith, I mean, to the Grapevine campus, all right? So let me use the same analogy we've been using about, all right? So every time you have a new baby coming into your family, you sit down with your current kids and you say, guess what? We have a new baby coming. And your kids are like, wait, what? Does that mean you're gonna love me less? Does that mean you're not gonna play with me as much? But for some reason, and every parent could say, can attest to this, whether you have one kid or 10 kids, I don't know how I could ever love something this much. And then another baby comes and you're like, I don't love this one less so that I can love this one more. Somehow God just supernaturally gives me enough love that I love them both the same. And then another baby comes, but you're like, wait a minute, how am, I gonna, how am I gonna love all these kids and change all their diapers and hug all their necks? And for somehow God just supernaturally brings a grace with each kid, all right? So what I'm asking you to do is to be a part of this. Okay, you can be a part of a sibling coming into our family. Okay, so I'm asking you to pray. Pray about what part of this you could be. Maybe, maybe it's just prayer. Maybe God would call you to move to Grapevine, Texas. I don't know. Maybe you have friends in the DFW Metro that you just can now shoot out to them and let them know. Um, come Monday morning, the website will be up. We'll have a, our website will say we have a Grapevine campus. Come this afternoon, Monday, you'll start seeing social media. You'll see a Grapevine, Victory Grapevine Facebook page, a Victory Grapevine Instagram page. Follow it, mention it play some part in helping us give birth to this. And I'm excited. We are, we are expecting, we're expecting. We have something special happening at Victory Church. What God does here is special. And we'd be fools not to share it with other communities. God's gonna do something great in the DFW Metro area and we get to be a part of that. Amen. Can we pray over this? Will you stand to your feet with me? Let's stand up. Father, thank you for trusting us. We steward well and with radical generosity, Lord, it's one of our core values and we wanna steward this baby well. Just as with any baby, God, we have fears, we have worries, we have doubts, we have concerns about what could be, what if, what if, what if, and what can we expect, God, but we know that you are faithful that this is a seed that you planted in the heart of this church, and you will be faithful to see it through. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in this house. God, would you bless this campus? God, would you do supernatural, above our wildest imagination? exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask hope or imagine Father I pray that you would do the same thing at every campus we have at the Edmond campus we're dreaming at the Edmond campus we are looking at blueprints for expansion and growth and buildings God we have a bigger vision than what we think our pocketbook allows for but we're not going to laugh we're not going to laugh We believe, Lord, we believe that you are more than capable of meeting our every need according to your riches and glory. So, Father, have your way. We won't force it. We won't force it. But we believe our due date's coming, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.